This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High Performance. Leadership. People think overwhelm, craziness, craziness. No time. No time. No fun. No fun. Just work, 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 work. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and leadership specialist. During the show, Monique and her guests will share the harsh truth behind their success stories, what it means to perform on a high level, and to be a leader in this world. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency on Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back to another episode of Efficiency on Demand, everyone. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. It's another power woman, and I'm so happy to have her. I had her husband a few episodes back, and this is also how we got connected. And I'm super glad I have her on the podcast, especially because we share our love for elephants and we just chatted way too long about them but that's totally fine <laughs> so please help me welcome amy Tariq on this episode welcome amy hi i'm so happy to be here thank <laughs> you so much i'm so happy to have you and um, please tell everyone first who you are and what you're doing so i mostly write i'm writing with the doctor who created the word holistic and the whole holistic movement here in the Western world in the United States. Um, she was also one of the first female doctors, which is just amazing. And right now I'm working on some projects with her. I'm also a health coach and I'm a number one bestselling author. And I've been featured in the top 20 entrepreneurs list on Forbes. I live in Florida and I have six pets. <laughs> I love that. Tell me all about the pets. Oh, I love them so much. I have four cats and three hamsters. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. What's the name Wait, of the I hamster? Seven pets. That's seven. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep count. <laughs> I love it. So... <laughs> We chatted a little bit up front and we have something in common that I mentioned a few times on the podcast before, but I never really shared a lot uh, of in-depth information. I think it's a great way to start this episode. So I know that you had a near-death experience and I died uh, of a cardiac arrest before and I was clinically dead for 25 seconds. So tell me a little bit. How did you experience that? And what was it that brought you to this event? So I've had a few experiences, but the one that I remember was whenever, the one that really changed my life and had a huge impact on my life was when I was a senior in high school. Um, at that time, I was president of every club. I was a cheerleader. I was a dancer. I was already finished with all of my high school credits. So I was basically just in school just for fun at that point. I had received like a whole bunch of scholarships, several free rides. I could get into any college I wanted. You know, I never drank. I never did drugs. I just worked really hard. And on the outside, like my life was perfect. But then this happened. And so one night as I was trying to fall asleep after a long day of school and work, I felt my heart beating hard and fast. And it was so hard that it was hurting my ribs. And my whole chest was just shaking. We finally called 911, and it was my first time riding in an ambulance. Unfortunately, it wasn't my last, um, because for years after that, I struggled. My heart rate stayed exponentially high. My body lost significant weight. I couldn't even brush my own teeth or brush my own hair or even have a simple conversation. But during this time, I witnessed firsthand how people treat disabled people or the people who they think can't fight back. So I experienced the worst side of humanity, but I also experienced the best. So amongst all of these bad experiences, I also saw the angels and saints who just bring love and healing with grace and kindness. And so I really focus on that love. 
but I was in this limbo. I wasn't dead. I wasn't alive. You know, it was the hardest thing I had to go through. And unfortunately, being in that limbo is so many people's everyday reality. I watched myself lose muscle muscle and weight while there was nothing I could do. I, I went from a superstar athlete to somebody, you know, who couldn't even brush her own teeth. And some people were happy to see me sick and withering away. And, you know, I watched as they try to take advantage of my weakness, which is something that a lot of people who become disabled have to see themselves. You know, there was a time when I thought like a quick death would have been much preferable to like this long, long agonizing limbo. But I, I decided if I wasn't dead, then it meant that I had a deeper purpose and that there was a reason I was experiencing this and that I had to just make the most of my situation, even with my immobility. And I just kept fighting. I just felt the strength to keep fighting. And a lot like your story, the doctors didn't really know how to help me. They gave me a lot of diagnoses without any cures or answers and lifelong medications with serious side effects that didn't really give me any results. So I didn't take them. And they just said, you know, some people are just sick. It's just what happens, which is a lot with what you were telling me happened to you earlier. <laughs> and so I just couldn't accept that answer. And because I couldn't accept that, I just realized that I either had to get healthy or, you know, basically die trying. And I didn't want to let it break me. And so I just... I just started learning about health. I was like, I have no choice because it's either living this or because I'm not dying. So it's either living like this or like, I'm not going to live like that. So, so I just, I felt like I didn't have a choice. So I just kept learning more about health. And it was like navigating my way through a minefield because one wrong move, it could lead me to a, like a cardiac arrest. And it was, it was stressful. It was difficult for me. So I just made everything in my life organic, wholesome. I got a water filter, the organic mattress, organic food, a lot of things like that. Eventually, I discovered I was a celiac. I was um, allergic to gluten and that I had a genetic mutation called the MTHFR, which you know some doctors say isn't a real thing. It is a real thing. If I wear metals, so I can only wear platinum earrings <laughs> or platinum jewelry, very expensive. So if I wear any other metals, I'll get a rash. And why is that? Because with just genetic mutation, I have an allergy to metals. So, you know, doctors, some doctors, you know, saying it's not a real thing. That's just stupid because like you can see it on my body. It's a real thing. I have a real reaction right away. <laughs> um, so a lot of people, you know, they won't get validation for like, I already knew I had that gene before I, I, um, I even got, I got accidentally tested for it. I didn't even ask for it. It just happened accidentally. And so I already knew that I had it well before I even got the test because I had all the symptoms for it. So I wasn't even surprised whenever I got that validation. I didn't even ask for that validation. But so many people aren't going to get that validation because so many doctors, they don't believe certain things are real, even though there's a lot of people have certain things. And so there's just a lot of people who aren't going to get that same validation validation, but I don't want that to deter them from uncovering how to heal themselves or from removing those toxins in their lives. And so my main purpose I felt was to just tell the suffering undiagnosed people that, you know, you aren't crazy, even if no one believes in you and what you're going through is valid, no matter how dismissive and unempathetic the world can be. And, uh, you know, this illness isn't your fault and it happened but I hope you pursue healing. And I hope that you just keep taking those steps towards wellness because you deserve it. And it doesn't matter if the whole world doesn't believe you, you know, what you're going through is valid. Wow, that's definitely a absolutely crazy story from going from such a high performance athlete. And basically like, I've been a cheerleader too. I didn't tell you that, I didn't know. <laughs> You're basically falling from the top of the pyramid to the rock bottom, literally, right? Cheerleader speaking here. <laughs> Love it. Have it been flyer or base? Yes, it was flyer. <laughs> I was base. I was too tall to be a flyer. Now I know what we're going to do whenever I come visit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So it's super interesting. So... Let me rewind a little bit and, and start out. So 
How old were you by the time when that started? I had just turned 18. Okay. So I just imagine you lived your life almost perfectly, or let's just say from the outside it was perfect, right? And then 18 years, you live in the beliefs like, oh, I'm getting to go to the college like that I choose to go, you know, I have all of these scholarships, I can be whoever I want to be. And suddenly, boom, everything just crumbles in front of your eyes. So walk me through the thoughts and that you had by the time and also the mindset and how you approached moving forward, because I know how that feels like. I know what I choose, but I know there are also always two different directions. There's always taking responsibility and victimhood. And I know exactly that usually people like us, they're ending up in both of them, but it's the taking responsibility part that obviously gets us out of it. So how did you make sure you're not sticking to the victimhood of the story, basically? Um, I think a big part of it actually was that I didn't think it was going to last as many years as it lasted. I didn't think my healing journey was going to be that long. <laughs> and so every week I thought it's going to be next week. So, you know, I think that that naivety really helped me, <laughs> to be honest. When you, not knowing that it was going to take as long as it took, I think that was a major thing. I really thought that it was, it was just going to be oh, just, just one more week, just one more week. That's, that's legitimately what I thought. Mm. And so I, I've just really believed it. Just, it was, I was always so close. And so I didn't, I didn't feel it as much. Like looking back, I'm like, Ooh, that was a long time being sick. But in the moment I was like, it's just one more week. It's just, I'm almost there. <laughs> so so um, I didn't feel it as much, but it was, it was absolutely traumatizing just to watch all of my dreams sort of like have to take a standstill and, and just the people outside of it saying, oh, you know, you're a loser for letting your illness take control of your life. It's like, I'm not letting it, you know, I'm still doing, I'm making the most of it. But if you can't walk, you can't walk. <laughs> like, are you going to tell somebody without legs, you're such a loser for not running? <laughs> Not everybody can afford bio, what are they called? Those beautiful technology with the, those are expensive. Like not, mm -hmm. not everybody without legs can afford those. And so, and so are you going to tell them they're a loser for not being able to run? No, like disabilities are disabilities. They happen and, you know, you have to make the best of it. But, you know, this able person is simply put, not going to be able to do what an able person can do. And that's just how it is. And and they have to choose sometimes between putting all of their energy and then recovering for months afterwards to do one thing <laughs> that an abled person can do easily or, you know, pace themselves. And so it's just people really think that, you know, doctors have the answer to everything and that these situations, these illnesses are a choice. And unfortunately, you know, doctors aren't gods. Maybe sometimes they like to say that they are, but they're not. <laughs> they, they don't have the answers to everything. They can't just fix everything. I wish that were true. I wish. Imagine how much less suffering there'd be in the world if that were true. So I forgot the question. <laughs> oh, no. Th like, the question was that what mindset you had by this time. And, like, you answered it perfectly. Like, I think... <laughs> this really fresh naivete of like, oh, it's just another week. That is so helpful because what I was facing was basically like my chronic illnesses and doctors telling me all the time, we cannot cure that. We can't help you. Yes. We can make it a little bit better, but you will never be able to live without it. You will never be having better times. It may get even worse. Maybe you will have to replace your kidneys Maybe you will not be able to work when you're over 35, like all of these type of things. And I'm lo looking at them. I'm like, uh, uh no, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to accept that. That's, that might be your reality, but that's never going to be mine. And it was, for me, it was more kind of like this rebellious thing that I just didn't want to accept their reality. Mm -hmm. I didn't know 
if there is another one. I didn't know whether I can or cannot heal myself because all I got to hear was like, you're sick here, you're sick there. Now you got this accident and your spine is totally out of place and not working as it should, like everything. And everything just got worse and worse. And I died of this cardiac arrest and they're like, you can be happy that you're not depressed. And I'm like, no, I'm not happy. I This is hard work. Yeah. Like, this, this is not something that, that is lucky. Like, this is hard work. I'm freaking 19 with two chronic illnesses and a, basically a spine that's been wrecked by a guy going over a red traffic light. And you tell me I'm lucky I'm not depressed. I'm like, <laughs> you're lucky I'm not punching you in the face. <laughs> you know? So... I just never wanted to make it my reality, I think. And this, this thing that I was always, I was always walking out and be like, you know what? Watch me. Watch me do all of these things. That has helped me. But in my back, in the back of my head, it always wasn't replay. You will never be healthy. You will never be this. You will never be that. You will always having this. And I think what you just said, like how people can be so cruel of, bullying bullying you for being not healthy for not being on top of you that has made me and I had the same already in school primary school I was like I remember seven year old I had a migraine attack with epileptic seizures and I knocked off my desk and the first thing was when I woke up uh, she's just playing she needs more attention and I'm like exactly wait a second <laughs> I'm really in pain I'm trying not to vomit in your face because I think that's rude of me to do it all and I swallowed it already three times but I really just I really what did you just say <laughs> and I was seven I was lying on the floor with blurry vision and I'm like maybe I just should vomit in his face <laughs> do it <laughs> I'm a bad influence do it <laughs> so you know like you have to deal with so many things that don't add to your healing exactly instead you know like even from family members I've been told I should stop trying to like to ask for attention by pretending to be so sick and I'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> let me try a little bit better I'm so sorry for burdening you with my non-existing disease <laughs> you know it's like what the actual fuck yes like it's so like so frustrating now we can laugh at it but like like it's it's heartbreaking it's you feel so lonely. You feel completely isolated. It's it's absolutely heartbreaking that, you know, people who who should be your support team aren't. It hurts. It hurts so much. And yes, now we can laugh at it because, you know, we're healed from that. But like, it hurts. It hurts so much to go through that. And I'm glad now we can laugh about it. We don't give a fuck about it anymore. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes but man did that hurt <laughs> <laughs> Amen. so so when you started to decide okay I'm gonna take this in my own hands where did you actually start because imagine you're like you have all of the symptoms you can't even brush your own hair and you're like okay let me just figure this out by myself like where do you actually start it was hard because I was still living with my parents and, um, and I didn't really have very many rights for myself and making certain decisions and stuff like that. So it was, it was difficult. It was difficult. So I just did little things in the beginning. It was mostly just spending a lot of time researching. And like I mentioned before, like my senior year of high school, like I had already finished high school. I was Actually, um, I was the only one in the school's history to have done like six or seven years of history 
classes in just like four years. <laughs> so like I had, I had over finished high school. <laughs> so um, so I, I didn't even need to be in school that year, but um, I was mostly doing independent studies. So I was the only one I was, I was homeschooled at the school basically because I was, I was, I surpassed all of the classes. So I, I literally didn't even have to be there, but I was just there. I wanted to be there for dance and cheerleading. <laughs> which I ended up not being able to do anyway so <laughs> but um what was interesting during all of that is like you know the principal sat down with me and she was like you know what Amy you are just making this up I know you're doing this for attention because school is just too hard for you you're just not smart enough and that's okay you can drop out you can drop out and get your GED and I was like Okay, number one, it's true. I do hate school, but I'm fucking good at it. <laughs> do I enjoy school? No, but I'm very good at it. I'm I'm the top in all of these classes. Like I'm I'm really good at it. I don't like it, but I'm good at it. But and number three, I've been at this school since I was three years old, and I'm only five months away from graduating. I've been here since I was three, and I have not liked this school since I was three. And I'm gonna quit now, five months away. I don't think so. I wanted to quit a long time ago. <laughs> and then and I was like, and fourth of all, you know, I I not making my heart rate go 200 beats per minute on purpose. For those who don't know heart rate, 200 beats per minute is very, very fast. Um, you're, the people listening to this, your heart rate is probably 70 beats per minute, probably. So 200 beats per minute is very, very fast. And that's just me sitting there at the time. I was like, the only, and I did some research. I was like, look, the only person in history who so far has been able to make their heart rate go that high on purpose, on command, was Gandhi. So he was respected for it. He, he was told that he was incredible for being able to have that kind of determination and control over their body. So if I'm doing that on purpose, I need to get good credit for that. <laughs> like, like I deserve respect if I can do that on purpose because only me and Gandhi then. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't go over well. <laughs> it's like it's like seriously, why do people think I'm making my heart rate do that on purpose? It's not fun. It's not fun to be bruised on the inside. My ribs are bruised on the inside from this. It's not fun. Yeah. But it was just a lot. I just did little things that I could. I um I made sure that I finished school. I was working with like actually PhD scientists at the time doing research projects and stuff like that about health. So I was always super interested in health anyways. So I just focused all of my extra time on doing research, finding out, you know, what this is, what this was. And this was before like POTS was like a real thing. So I, I had just heard, I was like, oh, this is a thing, you know, this matches my symptoms, blah, blah, blah. And like, no doctors would believe me. And then years later, you know, I just gave up with doctors. Honestly, I just didn't even talk to them anymore. But um, years later, you know, a doctor diagnosed me with it. I'm like, yeah, I know. I was saying that like three years ago, duh. <laughs> like stuff like this. I'm like, I'm like, so I like, there comes to a point where like, I just went to doctors just so I can get my own information about my own blood work and stuff like that. Not because I cared about their opinion because it wasn't useful to me. Eventually now I have a great team of doctors and I'm healthy now, but now I have a great team of doctors, but it happened after I like solved a lot of things myself and they would have been so great to have had in the beginning, <laughs> but I didn't have that. But now I'm, I'm very fortunate and so happy that I have such a wonderful, lovely, and they're women, they're women doctors. You know, I think for, I think it makes a difference because women, there's so much research out there that says women are often told that they're over-exaggerating. They're not listened to in the medical system. Um, so it, it does make a difference to have like the right doctor with you who will listen to you. Um, well, my family doctor growing up, he was also wonderful. He, um, he was a small town doctor. He knew me since I was three years old. He always believed in me, but there was only so much he could do as a general practitioner, but he was another just wonderful doctor. He always believed in me, but it was just, it was a journey. It was just little by little, you know, my, my parents didn't believe in me. Um, they thought this was all made up, even though they were seeing everything themselves. My family didn't believe 
in me. My high school boyfriend at the time, he was the one who was there for me. He was the one at my hospital bed and everything. He was the one who was there for me. And then, yeah, he he was like a big rock for me during these times. And it was just, it was just a lot. It was so much. I also didn't want to believe that like my, I wouldn't, I wouldn't achieve the things I wanted to achieve and I wouldn't be the person I wanted to be. It was, I didn't want to live a life without freedom, especially like physical activity, physical ability, because that was who I was um, as a cheerleader and dancer and all of these things, skateboarder, like literally you name the sport. I loved it. And so um, being a physical person and doing things was just something that I just like, that's what I loved. And I couldn't imagine not being able to, to, I couldn't imagine living my whole life, not being able to do just normal things. And also like the exciting things that I love, like mountain boarding or going on roller coasters or stuff like that. And so I just, I really just had to believe that there was something else. And what's interesting to me, whenever you were talking about a car accident, I was also in a car accident afterwards. And I wasn't able to walk for some time because my knees were just like completely messed up from it. And my spine was also messed up from it. And I was in a wheelchair for like a year and I just couldn't walk. And it wasn't until like, and I was told that I was going to have to get a hip replacement, knee replacements, and that like nothing would really still be okay. And I said, well, you know, I'm 20 years old. I was 20 years old at the time. And I'm like five foot two and like 90 pounds. They don't even sell knee replacements in my size. So <laughs> like, you doctors don't even know that. <laughs> you guys are saying I have to do this, but you, you don't even know what you sell. <laughs> There's not even knee replacements in my size. <laughs> and so that's not even like a real possibility. And number two, anybody who's had like a hip replacement or a knee replacement, their quality of life doesn't change that much. They're still always in pain. They still can't really do what they want to do. Some people, you know, they say they've had great results, but the vast majority, it's still like awful, except now they're in debt as well. So, so it's like, no, there has to be, and I kept thinking, you know, there has to be some ancient healing because humans have been having accidents since the beginning of time. There has to be ancient healings because we have to have known how to deal with this. Like, like humans have been having accidents since the beginning of time. So, and, and humans haven't always had short lives. So there has to have been, there has to be some knowledge there of how to heal it. And, um, I had given up on that because I was like, whatever. <laughs> if it comes, there's so many things that I've given up on and then universe just slaps me with it. And so I was like, whatever, whenever it happens, it happens. I'm done. I'm going to live my life. And it, it'll, it'll fix. <laughs> so, and so I moved to Florida and the chiropractors here in my town, they're like, Oh, I can fix this for you easily. And sure enough, by the second time I go to the chiropractor, I was fixed. It was really that simple for them. It was that easy. Something that everybody else, chiropractors, physical therapists all around the United States have said, it's impossible to fix. These guys are just like, what? That's easy. And two sessions fixed, done. <laughs> insane insane I know <laughs> and I'm like yes this is what I mean <laughs> it's here I've given up on it but I knew it would come but I wasn't looking for it anymore and yes <laughs> I was I was just so happy I was I mean like I was sort of looking for it but like not with my heart like I was like yeah I'll just try this I don't expect anything and they're like it's so easy we're gonna get you healed right away I'm like uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what do you think was the big breaking point for you in your healing from your heart disease oh yes so the big thing for me with that was definitely getting out all my food allergies one thing that I said to the doctors at the time I was like this is just like a classic food allergy symptom like textbook symptom my blood pressure drops and then I feel like I can't breathe. And then I faint and my heart rate goes super high. My body floods with cortisol because at the time my cortisol levels were really high. And cortisol, what it does is it works as like an 
sort of like an antihistamine in the body. So mm-hmm. it, it basically like epinephrine is basically all cortisol. Right. Why? Because it takes, it like takes care of allergic reactions. I'm like, this is like textbook allergic reaction guys. Like it's, it's textbook. It was like, just, and if I feel sick every time I eat, like, can we just figure out what it is? Can we do food tests? Can we do like these tests on me? And they're like, no, food allergies aren't real. <laughs> hey, didn't say real that. Thing. <laughs> I'm like, um, well, this is like, literally, can I show you the biology textbook that I'm reading for college? Cause I'm pre-med is literally textbook. Like it's like, it's not even out there. Like this is literally textbook symptoms of food allergies. Like, and like, it's like, this is how my body's reacting to this. And they're like, no. And so anyways, I'm giving up on trying to find food allergy, um, testing and all of that. And I, um, and later on, finally, with this doctor that I still work with her, she still does my blood test. She still does my hormone tests and everything. I still work closely with her. But um, I had just gone to her because I'm like, why not? Then like, you know, I've given up on this. So I <laughs> expect anything from anything. Yeah, she like, I, I, I knew that I probably had a sensitivity, but I didn't want to really come to grips with it. And she's like, yeah, you're definitely a celiac. So once I was able to cut that out completely is whenever I like really started to a hundred percent heal. It was like a brand new person. I was able to start gaining weight. I still haven't gained that much weight though. I was able to really just start being the old me once that was taken care of. That was like the number one piece. Wow. So How do you explain for yourself, obviously we, we don't care about what the doctors made me say, but how do you, how do you explain that out of, I'm going to say like, you know, quote unquote, out of the blue, you got a food allergy that almost killed you? I think I had it my whole life. Um, I had a lot of the symptoms, um, like I had, um, uh, chronic bronchitis every year when I was a child, chronic pneumonia every year when I was a child, uh, chronic um, sinus infections, chronic ear infections, all of these are signs of actually food allergies to dairy and gluten. So I've had it my whole life. It was just, I've had rashes my whole life. I've had a lot of things my whole life. It was just people from where I live just didn't believe in food allergies. So, and uh, food allergies just wasn't believed in. And so, yeah, I've had it my whole life, definitely. But I'm lucky that, you know, most people who had celiac and they live, you know, eating gluten their whole life, they're, they're dead by the time. Like, I should have died a long time ago. Right. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I should have died a long time ago, but I'm still here. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. And it's amazing what it did to my genes at my genetic expression as well. Like, for example, I was... If you look at my genetic expressions and my genes, I was supposed to be really tall because I was eating things I was allergic to. I'm really short. So I didn't even like, it changed a lot of things of how, how I'm supposed to be. So it's so interesting. If I have a child, like they're very likely to be very, very tall because I was supposed to be very tall and I'm going to feed them correctly. So, right. <laughs> so it was just really interesting to see that, that, you know, certain things weren't expected in me just because of what I was eating. So that's off topic. But that was interesting for me in my journey to see that. Right. So walk me through a little bit of how you started to cut out all of the things that you suddenly experienced as like toxins to you and your body. And also not only like as in food, nutrition in general, but how did you go about maybe things in your life as in people, I like, I like <laughs> talking about cutting out people out of your life because there are sometimes the biggest toxins. <laughs> yes. It is what it is. <laughs> so, people, like a daily, a daily, uh, <laughs> I work on it daily. <laughs> yeah, so I had people saying to me that I'm really cold hearted for how rational I cut people out. But I said like, if you know how much bullshit I had to 
like listened to and be brainwashed for so long, you would understand why I'm so it's not cold hearted. It's just very selective. Yeah. And having high standards and being able to just say like, you're being allowed in my life and you are not being allowed in my life for this and this reasons, making the right choices for yourself is never cold hearted. It's actually loving yourself the most. So it's just not loving, loving everyone else the same way. <laughs> so, so walk me through a little bit. How did you start cutting out all of the things that were not serving you anymore? Food and lifestyle, that was so easy. Like for a lot of people, that's really difficult. I I don't understand that so much because it was just so easy for me to just not eat any. Now I eat Cheetos, but I didn't eat it then. Like now I can eat Cheetos. Number one, they're gluten-free. But number two, like they don't bother me anymore, even though like they're very, um, they're a junk food. Like, like, like they're a junk food. Like they, they have a ton of horrible ingredients but you know now it's good for me to know that I can eat it now and I don't faint so so it's so wonderful I used to not be well enough to be able to eat Cheetos and not have a horrible reaction because it would overload my 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 body my I couldn't detox it now I'm able to I I I probably still shouldn't but you know it's it's like moderation like I love Cheetos and that's my one thing. So, <laughs> so I can eat it every now and then, <laughs> but, um, but with, but it's not like an addiction. So like some people are really addicted to McDonald's and they look at me crazy. Like, like, what do you mean? I have a chronic illness and I have to let go of eating McDonald's every day. Like that's hard. And I, and that's hard for them. It's like, do you want to be okay? Do you want to heal? Like, like, what do you want more? Like there was like, I didn't eat Cheetos for seven years. Now I can eat them like, and still be healthy and do it in low amounts. So like, I could probably eat, like have a few bites of a McDonald's right now too, and be okay. But I'm not going to do that because I don't even like McDonald's, but. <laughs> but <laughs> it all but, stays in your body for way too long. It's gross. But it's like, <laughs> Why don't you, why don't you want to get to the point where you can have one bite and be like, you know what? I'm not addicted to this. I don't feel like I need this to yeah. survive. And I can just enjoy this one bite and be like, you know, what? it's not as good as I thought it was. Or, you know what? This is really good. I enjoy it. I'll just have this one bite and be done with it. Or I'll just have this one meal a year and be done with it. You know, I, I don't want to say, cause like, I don't want to say, I think it's like, I think it does scare people to say, you'll never be able to have this again in your life. Like, I don't want to say that. I just want to say, let's make you healthy again so that you can have it and know, Hey, I just need, maybe I don't even need, like, I don't need this. This is just like, I'll have a bite or I'll, um, the main thing is you don't need it. Like there's so many people who really have this addiction to these foods, to this junk food. And they really think that they need it and they feel like they can't be without it. Like that's, those are red flags. Those are red flags. If you, if you really feel like you can't, um, well, now everybody with this quarantine that's going on, they're realizing how many addictions they really had, whether it was to alcohol, to drugs, to pharmaceutical drugs. I'm not saying, you know, all pharmaceutical drugs are unnecessary. That's ridiculous. But you know, some of them are, and some people are addicted to Tylenol. They are addicted to ibuprofen. They, it, they take a few every single day. Like that's an addiction. And people are going to say, you know, I do this for my chronic illness, blah, blah, blah. That's, that might be different, but some people are doing it really because they're addicted. And so this is, this quarantine for everybody, it should be just like a big eye opener. People are realizing, wow, you know, I really was addicted to eating out. My husband is having such a hard time because he had so many addictions that now he's facing that I've been telling him for years. I'm like, hey, hey, you're addicted to this. Like, hey, you like I've been telling him for years and now he's like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and so and so it's just like such an eye opener. I hope for a lot of people realizing like they were letting so many things control their lives that didn't have to control their lives. Like my husband would get so stressed about eating out all the time and getting to the restaurant on time so he can have his dish. And I'm like, 
I cook at home <laughs> and it's good food and it's healthy. And he's had to face that. He's like, yeah, you know what? Those were addictions. I'm like, yes, I've been telling you. <laughs> and so, and so it's been, I've been seeing it all over social media. All of these people are waking up are waking up to all of these addictions that they had. And it's, it's going to be an amazing cleanse. I think. I hope that people don't go right back into those same addictions once this is over. Like they realize, wow, I made it weeks without Starbucks and I'm alive. (laughs) We shall see. Also, Starbucks, I'm sorry to spoil that for you guys, but really doesn't have great coffee. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's very little coffee and 100% sugar. (laughs) Yes. Please, please find yourself. It's not the coffee, you're addicted to the sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please find a local coffee roaster for yourself. Please, you will thank me later. (laughs) I promise you. (laughs) So, I think, like, I totally agree with everything that you say. One thing I'm really interested in is what do you think is the biggest problem with the American diet? And we, like, I know that you live in America, so let's talk about that. And we probably have a lot of people listening from America, but obviously it's different in different countries. But let's talk about the American diet for now. You know, the quarantine is another perfect example. What sold out? Junk food. Junk food sold out. All of the ice cream sold out. You know what didn't sell out? Fruits, vegetables, turmeric, ginger, vitamin C. <laughs> really? Supplements, <laughs> things that actually fight the virus. <laughs> so this is just a perfect example. Let's walk into a grocery store and see, <laughs> and see what's sold out. And it's nothing healthy. <laughs> so everybody's life, everybody's like, wow, I'm so impacted. Like my husband, he's like, I'm so sad. I can't find all my junk food. And I'm like, my life is exactly the same. <laughs> I'm still eating exactly the same foods I ate before. I have no scarcity. It's fresh produce. It's all fresh stuff. (laughs) I am not feeling this heartache that all the other Americans are feeling because their junk food isn't in stock. (laughs) Oh my, like I, you know, sometimes I feel bad a, a little bit only though, because when I talk with my American friends, and I say things like the things that you eat usually in America, like I obviously it's a generalization, but usually the things that are being eaten in America, they just gross me out because they're so processed. There's like things in there that we would never allow it to be in any, like in anything that would touch your skin, even in Germany, like and you approve it to be in your drinks and your sodas and whatever. And it's just grossing me out. And they look at me like, that just sounds as if we like, uh, you know, they, that just sounds rude and whatever. And I'm like, but think about it. The things you put in your body, they are just gonna literally make or break your life in some way. Like you pay either. And I said it on another, in another episode, you either pay for your health now or you're paying for being treated with your illnesses later. And I had it the other way around. I kind of had to pay first for the treatment of my illnesses and now I'm paying for my health. So it's the other way around. But that that was not a choice. But it made me appreciate so much. Like it's it, Like when I look back of how I grew up, also with food in Germany, I feel like it's different, but it's because all of these junk food things came way later than they've been in America. And then they've been way too expensive for us and my parents to be able to afford it all. So we would go to McDonald's once a year. And then I kind of kept it that way. It was like a treat kind of thing. And then I found out that how chemical this thing is and it just doesn't fall apart in your body for over four months and I'm like holy what and when I found out I was like 15 I was a cheerleader and I was like that's the last hamburger cheeseburger whatever I'm ever gonna eat and I never had another one I'm like 
Once I, you understand the science and the reality behind these foods, like you're just not going to eat it. Disgusting. You yeah, know, you're just not going to. Yeah, and it's also you got to understand. Surely you can go eat hamburger and cheeseburger, but please go around the corner to your local hamburger grill that make them handmade out of fresh produce from the local farm that they get the meat from. And you don't slaughtering because I have a favorite hamburger place in St. Augustine, Florida. It's like two hours away. So good, guys. <laughs> you know, but when there are better burgers in McDonald's, believe me. <laughs> you know, I had a place in Berlin. <laughs> yeah, when I lived in Berlin, it was literally I didn't eat hamburgers or cheeseburgers or whatever for years because I was like, I don't know what's the point. And then my friends in Berlin, they were like, you have to try this place. And then instead of like $1.50, like, they wanted me to pay like I think it was eight euros or like which is like ten dollars. And I look at it, I'm like, excuse me, what are you asking me to pay? But then here you go. First of all, one of their burgers was the size of like three or four hamburgers from McDonald's. Because if you are if you would just squish them once, you would realize that nothing is left between those little <laughs> squishy prats so and then it was like local meat handmade they make their sauces themselves there was tons of lettuce and salads and tomato and whatever in between so that if I tried to squish them I couldn't so put them in my mouth didn't work and honestly I can eat a lot and and there's a lot of space between anyways but so, so it didn't work so it was well worth the money and then they came with fries and all this kind of thing. So anyways, what I'm trying to say, like, even though obviously it was not the most healthy food, but it was so much more healthier than going to McDonald's and eating one burger and having it four months in your stomach. So it's just, it just baffles me how people don't see that. I understand that there are families that can't afford food it's interesting um like i did the math for mcdonald's and by the time you have like a real full meal it's more expensive than you know like number one making it yourself or number two like yeah like going to like a local restaurant and just having like a healthier meal sometimes like mcdonald's isn't as cheap as everybody is conditioned to believe it is like if you really do the math it's, it's not that cheap. And I don't have the figures here with me, but I did do the math one time. And I'm like, this isn't even cheap. Like, it's not even. And not only are you paying for it with your health, but you're, you're like, you pay a lot of money for McDonald's for what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what would you say if someone is on a health journey like you have been or I have been and they're just frustrated and they like, just like you or me in between maybe at some point through in the towel and be like, whatever, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> All these doctors, they, <laughs> they don't know shit about what I'm going through. Yeah. What do you think is their best bet to do as a next step? Yeah, so I love connecting people with the doctors that helped me. I love connecting people with the resources that helped me. And a lot of times, like, it's just a good, a good doctor is a good healer. And if they can heal me, most likely they won't because they're people who they're healers who won't give up until they found the answer. And that's the kind of person you want on your team. You don't want the doctors who are just like, I just do this because I'm paid to do this. You want the doctors who are healers who say, I will be on your team. I will support you. And I will figure out what's going on with you. And together, we will overcome this. And I'm going to teach you how to overcome this yourself as well. Like, these are the doctors. These are the healers you want on your team. And it is difficult to find them. And, you know, it's difficult. Like, I didn't go through. I can't go through insurance with these doctors. So I don't. It's it's difficult. And, like. I have in my courses, like how to find doctors through insurance and all of that, but it's not going to be easy. I like, there is no easy solution with how the American healthcare system is right now. 
there's right. just not an easy solution. So I, I don't know what to say. Like, there's no easy answer. There's no easy solution. I have, you know, these resources to help, but even then it's still work. No, like there's, you can get guidance, but there's still going to be a lot of work and that's, and that's difficult, but it is so worth it because it's, it's your body, it's your health. It's worth it. And I wanted to say something to all of the listeners too. Like, so Germany actually has some of the highest standards for health. And it's actually, I adhere to a lot of the, I, I, I like to do a lot of my research actually with the German research in mind. And so like, um, like all of my animals, they are at the German quality of animal health. <laughs> so I, yeah, because Germans have like a higher standard for everything. And so I, I actually do have everything Germany standard here. <laughs> so like you're drinking out of a glass straw and a glass um, a cup. Yes, these are German standards, which I also have, and I definitely, definitely recommend people to look look into those German standards. You know, people Americans would say, "Oh, you're so stupid, you're so crazy, doing things like German standards or blah blah." blah. And I'm like, "No, this is a real thing. Why do you think that they're so much healthier? Why do you think obesity is so much less? Diabetes, high blood pressure, all of these things. Why do you think that is so much less than Americans? They must be doing something right." <laughs> I want to believe so, yes. Also, if I may add that, (laughs) we are worldwide known for our efficiency. Yes! (laughs) And you're on Efficiency on Demand, the podcast, so there is a reason why. And I'm German. It all comes together, you just realized. (laughs) It's a full circle. (laughs) There you go. Now you know. <laughs> so if you want to start on your health journey, skip all the bullshit, skip all the American bullshit, and go straight <laughs> to German standards. Like, <laughs> there you go. Done. <laughs> Raise your animals to German standards. <laughs> like, take care of your animals' German standards for real. Some of your animals aren't even eating real animal food. Like, they're not oh eating God. real food. Do German standards for your whole household, animals too. <laughs> you will see the difference and it'll make it easier because you don't have to sort through all the BS. All you have to do is look at German standards and you're set. Like it's a wonderful baseline. It's perfect. Do Amen. That. And <laughs> potatoes. Amen and potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. I promise you, potatoes <laughs> are the real shit. <laughs> don't be too scared of carbs. <laughs> No, we, we Germans grow up on potatoes, like (laughs) for real, like there will be no meal without potatoes (laughs) in Germany. Like, I mean, there are surely meals without potatoes, but even in our salads, we have potato salads. We have salads with potatoes. Um, They're just called differently. We have sandwiches with potatoes on. We have like, I'm not kidding you. We have potato bread. Potato bread, yeah. I grew up in a very German town in Indiana. And so what you're saying is like all the stuff that I grew up with too. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Potatoes are life. (laughs) Amen to potatoes. (laughs) And if you're afraid of all of the carbs, just do sweet potatoes. So I think that was the perfect outro for us. Um, I have two more questions that I ask all of my guests. And I think they apply really well to you as well. So first of all, tell me a little uh, bit about what efficiency means to you. I love efficiency, honestly. Like, I love it so much. Number one, you'll be more efficient in your business if you're sleeping well, eating well, exercising and being healthy and taking care of yourself. It's less sick days, less mistakes due to stress, less, um, cause when you're stressed, you're not thinking correctly. For example, you might scream at somebody who doesn't need to be screamed at. Um, if you're hangry, you might do something that doesn't need to be done. So, so these are just like little examples, but you make better decisions whenever you're healthier, mind, body, spirit. So being healthy is being efficient. People say you don't have time for health. You don't have time not to be healthy. Amen. Yes. <laughs> and also, I, I want to add on to that because I love all of what you just said. But this stupid excuse, and yes, I just uh, said that's a stupid one. 
the stupid excuse of I don't have time is just you literally saying I didn't make it a priority. And so if you are saying you don't make your health a priority, just don't come crawling back in a few years and be like, I'm so sick. How can I help myself? And then wonder why the healthcare system is not taking care of you because now you know why. Was that really harsh? People are going to say it is probably. <laughs> I mean. But you know what? It's true. <laughs> we can't, the healthcare system can only do so much for you. You have to do the rest. There is no magic pill. There's no magic antidote. No, there's no magic shot. You have to do the work. You have to take care of yourself. Yes. I, I wish there was a magic pill. Way. <laughs> <laughs> I wish like there's you know because this is like so serious people really believe that there's magic medicine that'll just cure everything like that's not how science works I'm sorry I'm sorry to burst your bubble but it's not how it works the people get and they get angry at doctors too because it's not how it works so doctors just you know it's a lose-lose situation for doctors honestly they tell you to be healthy and then and then they get screamed at they give you medicine and they get screamed no matter what they lose it sucks but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we see it right now. Yeah, it's yeah. a lose-lose situation for doctors. Like, it just sucks. But guys, you have to take your health into your own hands. Like, how about, you know, yeah, we see it right now with this virus. How about, you know, you learn to take care of yourself so that you don't overpopulate this hospital? You know, doctors and nurses are committing suicide because of their PTSD from what they're having to deal with right now with the virus going around. guys. Take care of yourselves so you don't contribute to this. You know, let's be a society. Let's watch out for our doctors and our nurses. Yes, they, you know, they couldn't help me, but they're damn well good in emergencies. So let's, let's watch out for them. Okay. And let's, let's not contribute to this. Let's take care of ourselves so that we don't have to make life harder for them. Right. And also I want to mention all of the cleaning stuff and all of the hospitals without them. They wouldn't be able to work like there would be no nurse or no doctor working if there was any cleaning stuff. So hands down to, to all of the people who are working hard every single day to be able to help us through this time right now. Yes. Yeah. And please, like really like learn how to do some basics for yourself. If you get these symptoms, like learn how to, you know, take elderberry syrup, take manuka honey, take ginger, take, take some things to sort of lessen the symptoms in yourself to sort of help yourself because maybe if you start taking these things, some of you guys won't even have to go to the hospital. Right. Some I of you also, still, but some of you won't. Right. I also highly recommend to take less uh, news, less social media. Yes. It helps to decrease the fear and yes. the worries, which increases the immune system. Yes. And, and if you do start getting sick, like take away dairy because dairy produces mucus, it's going to make it worse. So, Mm -hmm. so just like cut down on the dairy. If, if you're feeling sick, even preferably before you get sick, no sugars, sugar lowers your immune system. Like let's start using this time to really take care of ourselves and fortify ourselves and not depend on a magic person to do the work for us because the work starts with us. So let's take responsibility for ourselves, especially now, this is the time to do it because of everything that's happening, let's not cause more overwhelm to the system that's already being overwhelmed. If we can, if we can really learn how to really help ourselves, we can at least postpone, like some of you guys are going to go to the hospital anyways, even if you do all of this right, right. But you can post maybe postpone the time needed to be in there. It'll make a difference regardless. So Let's just take care of ourselves. Let's do that. Let's make that a priority during this time. We have nothing else to do, right? (laughs) 100%. Okay. And the second question is, if you had to start all over again, but you keep the knowledge that you have, which would be the three things that you would do over and over again to get to the success where you're now? So do you mean if I, what could I do now to produce like faster results in the past? It's not really about the past. So let's just say like you would push the reset button, but you keep all of the knowledge. So which things would you do over and over again, three of them to get back up to success again? I think, you know, if I press the restart button, I don't think, I don't think number one, I ever would have gotten that sick. Number two, like 
I, I never would have, you know, taken as many medications because now I know how to, I just like Germany does a lot of things holistically. And so it's not like a rare thing. It's not a weird thing for, for Germany's to be like, yes, holistic things work. But in America, it's still such like a weird thing. Like, no, holistic stuff is dangerous. No, it's not. <laughs> and so I would have, I, that's, that would have been my life. Like I would have been doing all of those things from the very start. I wouldn't have had as many antibiotics as I've had. I wouldn't have had as many, like, well, all of the medication, like allergy medicines. Like I, I grew up on allergy medicines. Why? Because like my mom didn't know any better and she still doesn't actually, but <laughs> um, like didn't know that like what I was eating was contributing to my allergies. Like I don't have to take allergy medicines. Why? Because I'm not eating things I'm allergic to. And so it's like, there's just so many things. Like I, it would have been a completely different life. Every, everything would have been different. And if I have kids one day, that's the life that they're going to live. And I hope they appreciate it. <laughs> but, um, probably not. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> um, um, like I everything would have been so different and and like I hope like there's so many people that I talk to even clients I say you know they're paying me to give them these solutions and still they don't take them and it's like ooh, <laughs> it's like you're right there come on come on <laughs> it's like um just just and it's not going cold turkey. Like, like if you feel like you really need Tylenol or you really need ibuprofen, okay, you know what? There's some fear around that. Fine. Have it around you, but try something else first and say, you know what? I can take this if I need to. So it's not so scary for you. You know what I mean? So, so like have other things, have, have your, your crutch with you. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go in all the way. Okay. I'm not asking you to do what I do. I'm asking you to meet me halfway. Try something else first and you have your crush there, but at least you can try. You need to you need to realize that all of these holistic methods of healing like they're actually they'll help you. They're not there to um they're not there to hurt you or distract you from pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals are there for a purpose. They're wonderful when they work. They're wonderful in emergencies. I love them when they work. But they're not a hundred percent needed all the time. And whenever you're using them for something that you could use a safer thing for, it does more damage. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't kill a fly with a gun. So let's, let's take that into health. In Texas. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so Texas, go big or go home. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, you know me. I make stupid jokes sometimes. <laughs> I seem to be proud to hear that though. They're like, yes, yeah, true. <laughs> but, um, but, you would probably um, also just hit the fly and nothing else. So they're probably exactly, not they're skilled with their guns. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, unless you're that efficient with guns, do not kill a fly with a gun. <laughs> if you are, then okay. <laughs> Most people aren't. But um, um, it's the same way with medicines. You know, we shouldn't overdo it. We're sensitive. So. Like, you know, a lot of you guys think, oh, you know, my body isn't sensitive. Like it probably is. All of us, we're all sensitive and it's time to recognize that and just treat us gently with care. Like let's all treat ourselves more gently. Yeah. You wouldn't start growing a plant with chemicals only. You would start watering it with, that's why it's called watering it with water <laughs> and not treating it only with chemicals it's the same with us we need water we don't need all the chemicals first amy wow what an amazing story what an episode i love 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 having you on thank you so much for taking all of the time today and sharing your amazing insights with us i love you so much you're such a beautiful soul <laughs> thank you before we go please tell everyone where they can find you and what they can find there absolutely so my name is spelled a little bit differently um, but on all social media I am A-I-M-E-E 
T-A-R-I-Q, Amy Tarek. And it's very simple, except for the spelling. <laughs> well, we have a solution for that because you can find it in the show notes below. Wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Everyone, please, please, please go and find Amy on her social media or on her website. Go check it out. Even if you don't believe quite yet that holistic is the way to go, just check her out and see what she has to say and share with you. I promise you, you will not be disappointed and it will not hurt you. I promise you, it won't. So go check her out and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come back for the next episode. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned that you too can unlock your ultimate potential, how to control your time, create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at the Monique Lindner. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember to slow down to speed up.